The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as mainly always, is professional geek, <laughs> as seen on television, Elliot Serrano. It's uh, it's uh, nice to be back where I got my start. <laughs> you didn't get your start here. I met you interviewing Stan Lee and then said, do you want to come on my little podcast? You had done a shitload before you ever came here. Uh, you know, that's this a- is just... This is just the most welcoming place for you. <laughs> the only welcoming place. <laughs> well, that's on you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Kids don't do like me. <laughs> so this week, uh, we're almost at Christmas. And I was like, oh, we're going to talk about Christmas. And then uh, the trailer for Across the Spider-Verse came out. And uh, I was like, oh, what a nice little trailer. Let's uh, Let's talk about that. And then uh, Black Adam came out on HBO Max and ruined everybody's week. <laughs> well, let's be honest. You, no one is pointing a gun to your head and making you watch Black Adam. No, but it was, you know, semi-free. There, uh, Honestly, I was at Kapow Collectibles in Lincoln Square about a month ago. And there's a movie theater there. And my girlfriend said, oh, I've never been in this movie theater. What, why don't we go see a movie? We don't have any plans. I was like, the only thing playing there is Black Adam. So I've never been in that movie theater. <laughs> Well, you made a good choice. <laughs> yeah. So um, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, especially with my rant as of late, is why everyone just keeps hating on everything. And I'm not going to hate on Black Adam because there were a couple things that I uh, I liked. But man, that. for as long as that movie was in production and for all the hype, that's what you came up with. That hit me too. I mean, Jeff John's name is on this. Uh, this is, comes from a period where he was very involved in in the the DC productions. It, Black Adam's one of his favorite characters. He completely revamped the character in '52, and he was uh, really the architect of that. Uh, even though he was writing with Greg Rucka and Mark Wade and Grant Morrison, and yet this. And Hawkman's in it, which is another favorite Jeff Johns character. And this thing seems so rushed and poorly thought through. Well, I mean, when you consider, didn't he, didn't Jeff Johns write or co-write the screenplay to Green Lantern? We also know how that came out. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just because he's a good, just because you're a good comic book writer doesn't necessarily mean it translates. Uh, But he did not have a screenwriting credit on this. I looked at the end, and it was three guys I had never heard of before that got credit for this. And a director I'd never heard of before either. Uh, I looked up his stuff. There's nothing good. Orphan is maybe the – it's like a lot of dumb action movies. It's not a sci-fi kind of background. It's nothing thoughtful. But, yeah, you're right. For as long as this was, this just felt like, hey, let's take a Fast and Furious sequel and dump $100 million worth of CG on top of it. And – Man, I, it was funny because I was doing a kind of a semi-running commentary on my Facebook page as I was watching the film. Which is why I reached out and said, okay, let's talk about Black Adam. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched it. I woke up and watched it yesterday morning because my sons refused to watch it. 
And uh, see, you should have followed their instincts. <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's free. It was between that and the Banshees of uh, it, it should be in the Colin Farrell, Brennan Gleason movie, which I did watch that night. And how was that? As the most Irish thing I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, it starts out as a it starts out as a comedy and it just gets bleaker and bleaker and bleaker. <laughs> and I was like, these are my people. <laughs> well, when they when they show up on Saturday Night Live together to kind of drum up yep. interest in it, you know, it was yeah. a good movie. It was very much an indie foreign movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's th- you know three guys on the uh, on a uh, deserted island off of Ireland, beautifully shot. Uh, but I did think comparing it to black Adam, I was like, wow, this is a story I've never seen before. And a story mm-hmm. I can't predict. And black Adam was just beat by beat by beat. It was, it was, yes, it was, um, uh, script by numbers or they, what they did, they took one of those, um, those, uh, action, those, uh, writing uh, flashcards that you get, you know, when you run into, uh, when you get a little writer's block, you get yeah. those little cards that have different type of plot beats on it. You shuffle it up, and then boom, 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 boom. You put it down. And you go, oh yeah, this is a great story here. I will do this. But instead of using that as a springboard for your story to really make it better, you just went with what the cards said. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and I mean, I mean, uh, I you think this would be um, a a mountain comes to Muhammad moment of like, okay, The Rock is doing a superhero movie. Superhero movies are the predominant genre, so he will he will lean in towards it. And I felt like he was like, "This is how we make my movies. We're making my this is how we're making this movie." And they were like, "Okay." Well, but the thing that gets me, and then and I know The Rock has gotten a lot of criticism for it. I mean, I genuinely like The Rock. I've seen many of his films and have enjoyed them. I mean, well, I I haven't I I have not seen. any of his Fast and Furious films. I have not watched. I've only seen the first Fast and Furious yeah. and I it, like Transformers. I watched the first one, couldn't take it and right. heard the sequels were worse. So I d- dropped out. There you go. And The Rock isn't in the first one. That's no. just Vin Diesel. He comes in later. But um, uh, the uh, after seeing this, I'm like, man, what happened to the guy who was in The Rundown? The Rundown is probably, was and probably still is his best movie. I mean, he went... And and it was it his personality really came through, you know. It, it, you really when you watch that film, you you see you still see a lot of the of the the rock persona from WWF. Uh, but now you know. Yes, I know it's WWE, but when he was in it, it was a WWF. Yeah, I, I, yeah. it sounded so weird when you said that. Yeah, I yeah. was like. I, I, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I was like, WWF, that's the Hulk Hogan era. Yeah. Well, like, the Rock was the 90s. I, I didn't realize it was the, that that period of 90s crossover. Where yeah, it transitioned back when WWF. straddles both letters. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, for folks who aren't aware, WWF changed its name to WWE because the World Wildlife Federation was actually suing the WWF. Um, I think it's for <laughs> because people kept body slamming the animals, <laughs> the pandas, <laughs> you know, and calling them brother, <laughs> brother. You gotta look at conservation, brother. But uh, but anyway, that's not neither here nor there. The Rock or Dwayne Johnson. Now that he finally that's what he finally calls himself. There was a time though. It's funny back in those early days when he was the persona of the Rock. 
to call him Dwayne was kind of like a, an insult. Well, like, then he was Dwayne the Rock Johnson for right. a long time. It's like John Cougar Mellencamp. Exactly. Yes. John Mellencamp was named Johnny Cougar by a record executive, hated it, and then spent years trying to sneak out from under it. So yep. he was John Cougar Mellencamp. But he never he never walked around calling himself just calling just calling himself the cougar. He never and said, "Can you smell what the cougar's cooking?" <laughs> Pancakes. That's well, yeah, and that was also before cougar was named something very different. <laughs> Imagine yeah. now you'd have to come out in a Karen wig. Oh wow! <laughs> a leopard skin print skirt. Yikes! Or or tights, uh, <laughs> leggings, leopard the uh, leopard print leggings. Yeah. But still, to the original point, um, like that, the early stuff that you would see Dwayne Johnson in, you can tell he's still bringing a lot of that persona that made him very popular in the WWF slash WWE, uh, because that's what people were familiar with. And even when he does other things, you know, even in the Fast and Furious movies, he's still a lot of that bravado, uh, that 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 charisma. Because let's be honest. Dwayne Johnson has a lot of charisma. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, he's a really charismatic guy. When you give him a role where he can infuse a character with that, that's when it shines. Black Adam, like, took all that away. And it, it was trying to make him a very subdued, dark guy. And um, I, there's even a scene in there where I think one of the characters is watching one of the Clint Eastwood Man With No Name movies. Yeah, yeah, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, I think. Was it The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Yeah. Because, um, but, but you're there going, oh, wait a minute. Is that what the filmmakers are telling us The Rock is now? That he's like Clint Eastwood? Because it's not working. <laughs> you, gave me a, you gave me actual Clint Eastwood, and you're putting it up against The Rock. You're like, uh-uh, no. Well, yeah, and the other thing is this seemed like a movie that was going to take chances because it's based around a villain, and it's based around a villain people don't know. that. So it seemed to me from the trailer and from knowing the character, uh, the amount I do, I'm not the biggest Shazam fan, so I, I really only read 52 of Black Adam, but it was, but it was a defining character, story arc for him, is I was like, all right, this guy is going to be, I thought this guy was going to, take over i thought it was going to be like an epic like um like a lawrence of arabia uh or like uh the man who would be king the um like the sean connery movie where you know he arises in in conduct this small desert town and then he builds it into a world power and he becomes the king and then he overreaches and they have to reach out bring in the justice society who we saw in the trailer and then it was going to be like the rise and fall of this guy and it wasn't that at all. He just shows up and he's a hero. And then the Justice Society show up and they fight him for a while. And then they're just like, all right, we'll be your sidekicks. See, you see what well, you're right. And that's what I thought too. I thought, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be like Joker, where the whole yeah. movie is told by the the quote unquote villain's point of view and see how they rise. And, and that's when you look at Black Adam, there were all these great elements in it, and it's like I could see the the germs, the, the the seeds of a very original movie in this film that weren't allowed to really grow. Yeah. Or at least a movie that took chances. Yes. Like in the way, and I, I, I honestly, I uh, the elephant in the room is going to be James Gunn because this was made before his involvement. But you look at his Suicide Squad and it's like, okay, that's a movie that took risks. That's a movie that that 
put together some unlikable characters and that pushed the envelope with them. This is not that. Let me, uh, real quick, now that you mentioned them, because this is where I was thrown off, because isn't that Harcourt who shows up at the end? Yeah. Yeah, James Gunn's wife, who's a major character in Peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, So this has to have taken place before Peacemaker. Um, because by the by the end of Peacemaker, Harcourt is on the outs with Amanda Waller. So there's no reason why she would be working for the government or or um or um um I forgot the name of the, the Task Force X. Task Force X. She shouldn't wouldn't be working for them. Right. And uh she was in his Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. So this could take place between those two or during. Um but, but right, it has to take place before Peacemaker, though. Yes. So so we jumped a little bit back in continuity as far as what happens. And like we said, this has been in production mm-hmm. a long time. I believe COVID had an impact on the, yeah. the release date of this. So um, I do believe it was going to come out before before Peacemaker. Peacemaker wasn't greenlit until Suicide Squad was finished. Right. So this thing was way in production. This was a movie uh, kind of like Channing Tatum's Gambit. I kind of hoped it was never going to get finished. <laughs> well. I mean, and then, and then, and then, of course, well, okay, but we'll talk about more of the things that could have happened that didn't. But the the announcement now that Henry Cavill will not be coming back as Superman after they spend after they got all that buzz with the post credit scene of having Henry Cavill show up as classic Superman for once with the curl and everything. And I was there going, wow, I can only imagine had I seen this in the theater, what I would have thought. But I, I- yeah, that it pissed me off. Um, not because I like Henry Cable, uh, when I when oh. it was announced, and honestly, uh, before Black Adam came out, we were, we were going to talk about this being in the news. Henry Cable came out and said, hey, basically, Warner Brothers told me I'm not going to be Superman anymore sad news and then uh started talking about his warhammer movie that he's making because he's also quit the witcher um and honestly i kind of shrugged because uh you know i don't i don't want to spiral into a um demonization of the Snyderverse, uh but i was like all right well we'll start new what pissed me off about that scene first of all uh reminded me of michael keaton and morbius had nothing to do with the story at all had uh didn't tease uh, didn't tease a future appearance just said just took the character and threw him in there but it also didn't even make sense for the property because not once did they mention captain marvel uh the next dc movie is shazam 2 and had zachary Le- zachary levi showed up it would have made sense it was like it it was like i spent the first tom hardy venom movie convinced that Tom Holland was going to be in a post-credit scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do you have Venom and not have Spider-Man? And now they made two movies without a Spider-Man. Uh, but that's the character he's connected to. To create that moment and then basically just switch, let's face it, the same character. Yeah, yeah. You know, DC bought Shazam to corner the market on Superman. They didn't want to compete against it. Um, but Captain Marvel is a Superman clone. To not be the character that you're based on, you're both. He says Shazam four times in this movie, mm-hmm. and yet, and Shazam was a hit, and they're planning a second movie. To completely ignore that in favor of a Superman that we'll never see again, 
just strike me as alarmingly boneheaded. I, I I just couldn't get over that Henry Cavill shows up looking like classic Superman, and they don't even play the Hans Zimmer theme for him. They play or the, the John, John Williams, yeah. They play a bit of the John Williams there. You're like, oh okay. It's like, oh that they finally acknowledge we need to go back to what really worked with Superman. All right, so now going off on that tangent, and this is going to seem like the biggest flip flop ever on my part and just the most ridiculous backtrack or and if my little brother is listening to this he's going to call me the biggest hypocrite ever on social media <laughs> on social media even cuz my oh it's funny uh my little brother my youngest brother he is the dc films stand like you wouldn't believe is he, he a snyderverse I, guy or just all dc even a snyderverse guy he oh. even defends the snyderverse Okay. Um, uh, but he loves just DC, DC, DC. Uh, he and I, we always butt heads. I'm like, I'm, I, I want, I just want good movies from them. I don't care if it's Marvel or DC. I'm like, I enjoyed um, the Shazam movie. I thought that yeah. one was way more fun than I expected. Although I would have held off until the sequel to introduce the Shazam family. I would have, I uh, well, as I've already said, I would have not made this movie and made Black Adam the villain in Shazam too, and right. then spun him off. Right. So my youngest brother, when he finds out that <clears throat> Henry Cable's not going to be um, the it, Superman moving forward, I'm telling you, he was pissed because it's like you, you, they spend all this time getting you invested in in, in Cavill, in Godot, in Momoa, even freaking um, Ezra, 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 who oh, who freaking is out there causing havoc and. Yeah, he's throwing chairs at people. Yeah, and and his movie is still coming out. <laughs> yeah, they spent too much on it. There there was a petition to uh, digitally replace him with Grant Gustin. <laughs> Wait, why they didn't go with Grant Gustin from the beginning, I will never understand. Why they didn't go with Tom Welling for Man of Steel, as much as I like Henry Cable. It was like, no, no, I'm sorry, back then, why they didn't go for uh, Tom Welling instead of Brandon Routh? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. They, they wanted to keep those movies separate. And that's one of the things Gunn is talking about is integrating the television universes with the, with the movie universe, the way Marvel does. It's like, we'll have one version of every character, although uh, not, not to go on too much of a tangent, cause there's still plenty to shit on black Adam, <laughs> but the amount of miscommunication coming out of DC is uh, tantamount to what's happened in the past because variety reported that, they were going to integrate Robert Pattinson and Joaquin Phoenix into the DC universe going forward. And then James Gunn tweeted, no, that's not true. So we don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. They, you're, you, I don't see how you're going to be able to do a cohesive DC universe with those kinds of films out there. Don't get me wrong. I don't think, I don't think you have to integrate the Batman and Joker into a greater DC universe um, um, narrative. You can do your offshoots types yeah. like that, like they do with some um, Elseworlds. You know, well, you can't integrate you can't integrate Batman and the Joker together because uh, Barry Barry Cake, I, I believe it's pronounced, who's also in the Banshees of uh, Sheeran because uh, he's an Irish actor, uh, plays the Joker in the Batman. So they've already established a different Joker, yes, than Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. and you know, well, Joaquin Phoenix is seems to Joaquin. They introduced Bruce Wayne and Joker. Yeah, you know, it, kid, it's set in like a yeah. Gotham timeline. So those two, those two can't connect to each other, much less the rest of the DCU. Right. So, 
having said all that, you know, I don't know. It's going to be a tad. Well, it can be a tad confusing. Comic book, comic book audiences, and let's be honest, the comic book readers who are accustomed to getting all this stuff, are go, oh yeah, we know this is this is a main storyline. This is canon here, but this is what did we say all the time uh, when they when they did Elseworlds, right? When they introduced that, oh, this is Elseworlds. It's not main. It's not main main storyline. It's Elseworlds. It's all offshoot, different stuff. Which funny. Uh, Elseworlds, you would see like the Batman Elseworlds, the Superman Elseworlds, all those those books sold better than the main books because they were actually uh, a little more creative uh, and they weren't as tied down to the continuity as everything else. Right. Some of them even had sequels they did so well. Yeah. So I can see doing that with the movies, but will movie people kind of like buy into that if they haven't been conditioned by years and years of that kind of thing reading the original comics? I think well, we have had this multiverse push for the last couple of years since No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness and, and Spider-Verse. So I think uh, mainstream audiences are getting used to the idea, hey, there's different versions of Spider-Man out there. There's different Batmans out there. Um, so they may accept that. And honestly, DC's had the leg up because DC was the one doing all the worlds, else worlds. Marvel was resisting that. And, you know, every now and then they would do a 2099 or an A2 uh, but for the most part, they wanted everything to count. So out of the two universes, DC makes more sense to kind of do this scattershot approach. Which brings me back to my moment of hypocrisy that I lost track of mm-hmm. and my little brother being angry at me. That when you when I rewatch Man of Steel, I go, wow, uh, uh, Snyder, Zack Snyder actually gave us the first quote unquote variant versions of, let's say, DC characters before they did it like in Marvel with Loki, right? Like mm-hmm. when, when Marvel does it, it's like, oh, wow, look at that. They're variants of all these characters. That is so cool. When DC does it, people get, ah, and I'll admit I was that way too. How could they? How could they, de- you know, depart from the canon as they did? They made Jimmy Olsen a CIA spy instead of a, instead of a, a photographer and blah, blah, blah. So I will say, you know, Zack Snyder did that first as far as films, and I'm sorry, the acting in his movies was way better than in this than in Black Adam. I mean, oh yeah, we'll, we will we will get to that. But I, I'm going to push back on you a little bit about the variants because they didn't mean to do that when they put out Man of Steel. They were like, "This is the new Superman. The Brown and Ruth doesn't count. The Christopher Reeve was for an old generation." The same way, the same way uh, that Christian Bale was not Michael Keaton. They they didn't say Batman Begins was a sequel to Tim Burton, which on its own was a reboot of Adam West for as far as Martin audiences were concerned. They weren't saying this is an Elseworlds. It's just the way it was received. The way it was marketed. They marketed it like Batman Begins. They said, hey, we're going to restart Superman. Remember when we restarted Batman and you guys liked the first one and you loved the second one? That's what we're going to do. And uh, you know, they were still planning a Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cable. That's one of the things he announced was that's not going forward. I will say, though, because even when they reboot Batman, you know, with when you go to the Chris Nolan, Christian Bale films, they're still it's still very true to the basic conceit of the yeah. characters. You we know, you know, you know, Bruce Wayne's uh, his origin never changes. I mean, they even keep the freaking 
dropping pearls, the pearls falling every time. Yeah, thank, I would. Thank I you, Frank Miller. Yeah, <laughs> can't get away from these little white balls. <laughs> but then, but then, but that Batman Begins, I would say, is the most faithful to all of the comics. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the Batman. The Batman feels very much like eighties, nineties, Legends of the Dark Knight. But Batman Begins feels the most true to superhero-y, that Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams yeah. kind of stuff. But then with Superman, it's like they decide, you know, Zack Snyder decides, oh, we're going to bring in these characters. Like we never, like in Man of Steel, there is no Jimmy Olsen. You know, we kept waiting for Jimmy Olsen to appear. And there was another character in there who's never flat out named. And we assume that she's Jimmy Olsen, but they never say. Then later on, they said, oh, no, that was Jimmy Olsen's sister. Blah, blah, blah. And so speaking to DC never intends, you know, like they want to disregard the Brandon Routh or the Christopher Reeve Superman. Remember with Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW, mm -hmm. they bring Brandon Routh back to be the Kingdom Come Superman. And they bring Tom Welling back. And Tom Welling. So you can tell, uh, you know, they, they play with it a bit. Um, ah, anywho. I'm but the, gonna... C, the CW, I think, has always been more comic, uh, comic focused than the movies have. My problem with the CW is that they have one foot in comics and one foot in soap operas, and I'm just not going with the teen soap opera. I've never been able to stay with any of their shows because of that. No, that's for that's for the younger generation. It's for the it's for the Riverdale, Buffy, all those. You know that. Yeah, that yeah, they're the younger it's, ones. It's also them trying to reach out to girls. Yeah, because, because it's all about unrequited love, and every episode of Smallville ended with some girl singing as as <laughs> like as he looked out the barn. <laughs> yeah, it's true, uh, but the, and that but that's also what Black Adam felt like to me. Black Adam felt like a big budget episode of a CW show. You know, like if they decided to make the Black Adam uh, show on the CW. We're going to put a lot of money into it, but I mean, there was even, there's that fight sequence between Black Adam and Hawkman mm -hmm. and, and they're going, oh my God, this looks like, this looks exactly like the, the, the CGI fight sequence between the two Supermen in a crisis on infinite earth is when uh, Brandon Routh and um, I forgot his name who plays him on Superman and Lois. Um, Tom, Tom Welling. Oh no, no. The new Superman. Yeah. The new guy. Who's actually very good. I actually like him quite a bit. Although well, I, do were, I do like I do like very into Superman and Lois when it started. Yes, I was very into it, and then I lost then it lost me because I liked how it focused on the Clark Kent aspect of the character. And I thought this guy, the, the actor, was a very good Clark Kent. Um or Clark Kent as a dad. But um Hulkland, I can always say his last name correctly. I, I can't say it. Hulkland. Anywho. Someone who is listening to this freaking um, Tyler Hawkland. Tyler Hawkland. They're going to go. How could this guy can be considered a professional geek and he doesn't even remember the name of the guy who plays Superman on um, on Superman Lois? Anywho, this Black Adam with the, the again the script with oh with the introduction of of okay. Can I let me just dive into all the problem all the issues I have with Black Adam? All right, before you do that, I want to respond. Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying not to jump on you, but uh, I think this is below CW because CW goes Ooh. out of their way to <laughs> cast charismatic actors. Whether or not they're the best actors, they're fun to watch. They're interesting. Uh, they have a certain amount of charisma. 
the Justice Society in this. Um, you have Pierce Brosnan playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that's it. You have Book from Discovery, like getting a movie paycheck. And then the younger characters, Cyclone and Adam Smasher, I literally thought when I was watching this, these two are worse than anyone who's ever been on a CW show. They had <laughs> no charisma. They had no personality. Literally, their banter was, what do you do? I spin. What do you do? I grow big. Cool. Cut scene. <laughs> I was like, really? There, there was nothing. Adam Smasher just seemed abysmally unqualified and somehow is related to Henry Winkler. <laughs> I know. But Henry Winkler shows up and going, Wait, Adam Smasher was the Fonz? Yeah. The, Adam I'm, Smasher I'm... wasn't even the lawyer for the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Harry Zuckercorn. He wasn't you know, even. You, you, you're not going to get any pushback on that pushback because you're right. And, and, and they were they were trying so hard to go for humor. Like they, they Hawkman. None of the jokes worked. Not a Hawkman single... and Adam Smasher, yeah, had a back and forth that was not just... a single joke where yep. it wasn't even like Joss Whedon's Justice League who um you could see Whedon was trying to do the Whedon thing that worked in Avengers but it was falling flat like yeah. there were no actual there were no actual jokes on it it was just action movie catchphrase beat cliches and then there'd be a pause and I was like all right well that was the rhythm of the joke but there's no actual joke in this entire movie which which is funny because there is an entire bit running through the movie about that very thing when do you say your catchphrase and it keeps going you know the rock you and know, it never you know, plays off it never plays off and then and then the other thing goes um uh, a bad plan is better than no plan at all and they're going oh that's what they thought about this script they're like oh, yeah, you know bad yeah. scripts better than no script at all but i go i it, it just goes to show you when you have people who aren't accustomed to working on that level of doing high quality you know something really really high quality i mean when you look at something that like black adam where you would think you have all these ingredients and then you have the rock who's an executive producer on this thing mm -hmm. and you could i could see all his little touches yeah you go oh, i can tell that that's something he wanted to do i can tell that's something he wanted da, da, da. i see that and and then you go but it's not quite working and then you look at how effortless the Russos made things work, mm -hmm. like with the Captain America movies and then the Avengers movies. And they had, a, that was a high wire act because not only are they have, they have to deal with a, a, a tighter and smarter script, but you have all these actors that are going to want their screen time. And, and you know, there are mm -hmm. all these egos and personalities on the set that you got to work with. You had one ego on the set of the rock uh, of, of, I'm sorry, of black Adam. I might as well just call yeah. it the rock. Um, Black Adam, and that's what you call the Black Adam sequel, Rock of Ages. <laughs> yeah, which was a good Justice League story. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, because look at the cast. There's no other name in this. No other name. Well, I mean, Pierce, except for, I'm sorry, except for Pierce Brosnan, who you can tell he's like, yeah, I'm just here to, you know. I'm, uh, yeah, but he's Pierce probably going, man, I wish I'd done a Marvel movie. Yeah, Pierce, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan seemed like, let's give an older actor, let's, we'll throw an older actor a bone more than like, he's your second name in this. You know, it's not like, I mean, you know, as you well know from Shake and Not Heard, he hasn't been Bond in, in 20 years. But he's so, done a lot of stuff, though. He's he works all the there. time, yeah. but he's not, a, he's not a draw anymore. I, I would say that he's a great actor, very charismatic, hasn't lost his touch, but people don't go to a Pierce Brosnan movie. 
And man, I am pissed off that I was hoping. But other than that, I didn't recognize a single face in this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, but add to that that, and spoiler alert, you know, I'll just save save people the two hours of their life and whatever. The spoiler for this movie is don't see this movie. Don't see this movie. But uh, um, uh, Doctor Fate dies at the end, and it's like, what kind of bullshit is this? He was in a very Obi Wan way. Very Obi Wan way. In a way, I'm like, man, I was going to myself. Man, it would be so cool if then they decide to make a Justice Society series on HBO Max, like how they spinned off Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad. And, oh, man, I'm going to get to see Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, which to me was this um, perfect casting for me. Perfect casting. And every time Pierce and he was Bro- really good in it. He was, he was. Every time, although... They still didn't explain to me how at some time it did, they didn't explain how sometimes when he took the helmet off he went from his Doctor Fate outfit to his regular clothing and then then later on he takes the helmet off and he's still in his Doctor Fate costume. I'm like, wait, hold on. Uh, he was still in the middle of a fight. He had his costume. Yeah, I guess. That's what it was. Or their talk? I don't know. Yeah. But still, they, but they kill off Doctor Fate so definitively they don't even keep the fucking helmet. The helmet, yes. You see a couple shots of the helmet lying around. I'm like, was anybody gonna find that? And then, and then Hawkman picks it up, and I'm like, all right, well maybe they're planning on giving it to somebody else, and they don't bring Pierce. And then it like just turns into pixels. Yes, because they make even this reference in the very beginning where Adam Smasher Al wants to touch it, and um, Cyclone Red Tornado, I forgot her actual name, says don't touch it because if you touch it. Um, what happens if I touch it? Oh, I just want to touch it. No, you shouldn't touch it. Why not? Well, if you touch it, you have horrible, horrible nightmares. And he goes, okay, I guess I won't touch it. And I thought they're going to, they're setting up that he's going to get the helmet next. You know, it's like, okay, well, the original Dr. Fate is gone, but now Al, who didn't want to touch it in the beginning, it picks up, you know, it, he's bequeathed the mantle and no, you're right. They decided to just get rid of him altogether. Um, it was very much a, this is a katana. Uh, don't piss her off. Her sword will steal your soul. <laughs> That's a deep cut right there. Yeah. Um, and, and and come on. The Justice Society was Hawkman, Dr. Fate, and two rookies who, had, who you don't see anymore. And add to that Cyclone. It was only four people for yeah. the whole team. And add, add to that Cyclone is just freaking Riri Williams and Shuri, you know, pretty much combined. You know, they're, they're, but with less personality. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and and again, it's like when I saw the the roster of the Justice Society, I was like, all right, this is probably a lower budget movie. Like Shazam was a lower budget movie. It had the New Line logo on it, I guess, to look edgy because New Line doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but then I realized. No, this was a big budget movie. They just gave all the money to The Rock. Yeah, and then add to that. Um, oh yeah, the, all the co- all the, the 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 comic book bits that are introduced that are later disregarded, like Hawkman's ship is made of indestructible nth metal, all the way down to the screws. Oh yeah, so the ship can't break until it does. <laughs> And, and they don't even explain nth metal is, no. is the metal that doesn't break. They just threw it in as an Easter egg because right. you and go, then, oh yeah, Hawk, Hawkman stuff is nth metal. Nth and metal. then as they don't even explain that his mace is nth metal, but it spins. <laughs> or how he can go, he can kind of go toe to toe to Black Adam until it counts, and then he gets his ass kicked. You know? Yeah. And, 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 then, and everybody yeah. threatens to rip off his wings, but his wings don't exist when he's on the ground. Right. 
And, so I was uh, like, why doesn't he just retract the wings that he was doing? Because he's just doing that when he's running around. And 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 Dr. Fate's levels are of power is God level until he actually has to fight a god. And then it's not, you know, then he knows he can't. Then he it's can't, just you know. yellow crystals that he can make. Yeah. Or duplicate himself. He can't even do the cooler stuff that Doctor Strange can do. <laughs> you know? And to me, it's I've only really magic. He's just he's basically he's basically Green Lantern. He's yes! yes! and yes! <laughs> I, and I love Dr. Fate. Yes! They don't even give him eyes on his helmet. I was like, really? He's, he's, his helmet is the is Luke's training helmet for the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> well, I thought it was Ken. I thought it was And cool. they do the fucking, they do the Robert Downey Jr. HUD shot with yes! him. Yes! Man, you're bringing, yeah. You're making me dislike this movie even more. Uh, and, 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 yeah, and just to be transparent, we've both seen this movie once. <laughs> And so uh, there was, I was, I was actually so looking forward to this. I was so, this was the one DC movie. I was like, okay, I want to watch this. But then opening weekend stuff started coming out and I got really discouraged. And I, I'll tell you, I am so glad I waited for it to come out on HBO Max. Me too. You know, I, I, like I said, I was kind of hoping it would just die in production because I've been saying since the beginning, I'm like, you make The Rock the villain in Shazam. Shazam worked. Black Adam is his main villain. Introduce him there and then see where it goes. I'd never thought Black Adam was interesting enough as a character to hold his own movie. This movie proves me right. And, but I was still kind of uh, wait and see because I was like, you know what? Uh, and I've argued this uh, for years, especially with Steven on the show. It's like you can shit on the DC movies as much as you want, but half of them work. It's like, yeah, I, I hated Batman versus Superman, but then I liked Wonder Woman. You know, I hated both versions of Justice League, but then I liked Shazam. You know, I uh, I liked Joker, and then I uh, didn't like Wonder Woman 84. It was, it's been up and down, you know. Um, I liked Suicide Squad. I loved Peacemaker. So I always go in with an open mind. But as this movie was out, it was just every week I had something better to do than to buy a ticket for this movie. Another thing this movie shits on, though, too, it shits on the idea of being a superhero with ethics. You know, it, it just pointed out how sometimes incredibly ridiculous it is to say, well, heroes don't kill. When you pretty much take the Justice Society and put them in the middle of a war zone, okay? Yeah. By, by the way, how does a gang take over a country? Exactly. <laughs> Intergang. Just the name Intergang out right. just for the Superman reference. And I'm like, wait, wait. They're clearly the military, but they're a gang? They're right. And and, and they have checkpoints where they can, you know, uh, um, they can occupy a country and they can tell people where they want to go. And they're going, no, 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 no. This is not Intergang. Unless you want to say Intergang is a – and this would have been like so effing clever on their part. If they had come out and said, you know what Intergang is? It's a front for the U.S. government. It's, you know, the American the American uh, government set that up there to try to control what's going on in um, Kandak, just like, you know, the American occupation of Iraq. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Just Society walk in thinking, oh, well, we just need to take out, you know, we've been told by Amanda Waller we need to take out Black Adam because he can, uh, he's going to disturb, you know, that do things for the country, but the reality is, is they want to take him out because he knows he can take out intergang and you need to remove him to again to 
you know, maintain stability, as they kept saying, because they kept they kept saying that whole bit. There's that that um, the 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 dressing down that Sarah Shahi gives um gives Hawkman. You know, oh yeah, Intergang came in here and occupied us, and they've been keeping us under their thumb and doing this and and but now you decide you want to come in to to help us, and it, so it's like. A uh, bit about, let's say, the idealism of inter, uh, American interventionism versus the reality of it. Yeah, I felt like that was a very uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, what have you done for the brown man moment. Yeah. Which and, is a great moment, but also has no payoff. So but so when you're in a war zone, you can't go. But when I tell you, I wanted to laugh out loud when Hawkman saves those two inner gang guys, he goes, doesn't matter what their crimes are, they are due they are. They should receive due process. I'm like, dude, you're in a war zone. That's there is no due. Pro- and I add that due process is American. Yeah, yeah you don't arrest soldiers. <laughs> you imprison them. Yes, but it's like, and, and they're going. This guy. They are making a mockery of the whole thing about why superheroes shouldn't kill. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, it's civil civil war covers this in an exposition scene better than this movie covers it in their main plot. Yeah. It yeah. just Captain America saying, what if the government sends us somewhere where we don't agree to go? Done. That's all that's ever mentioned. And you think about it for the next five, five ten minutes in that mm-hmm. film. This movie's about that. And 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 you're right. Uh, they, by making Black Adam an anti-hero, well, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, they didn't make him so dark that you lose sympathy with him. They could have done a Breaking Bad with this movie. Yes. And they could have turned the rock into a villain and it would have been really interesting and it probably would have made just as much money. And you know what? Maybe you do end it with Superman. You know, maybe you do get him to the point where he's so bad that you have to bring in Henry Cable. Um, they, but instead they, because he's an anti-hero, who's the hero. They had to make the real heroes ineffectual. Yeah. Incredibly ineffectual. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, they just say, we're the Justice Society. They don't even say how that connects to the Justice League. Because yep. I guess they're distancing themselves from the Justice League. But clearly, it was clearly when they thought Justice League was going to be a hit and they started working on this, there was a way to expand the Justice League and say, like, oh, we work with the Justice League or we take on stuff that they can't do or we operate outside or we were here first and we don't like them. Nothing. They just said we're the Justice Society. Again, going back to my problem with not using Shazam instead of Superman, they go right up to the connections they have to the other DC movies and then don't make them. Right. Well, they mentioned them. The, the, so, which brings me to my next thing. That kid, skater kid. Oh, God. Um, I haven't had a, kid, had a kid in a movie this much since the 80s. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure that young man is a wonderful person. And I'm thinking given the proper guidance by a director that knows how to work with actors will actually bring a level of sincerity to his performance. But uh, the, the only kid I ever found more annoying in a movie was with uh, the kid from last action hero. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like, you know, the, it's the self-aware kid who knows the world he's in and, but somehow, you know, still gets caught up in it. Uh, is it's talking about, oh, are you like the Flash? Are you, you know, are you as fast as him? He's got Batman posters and all that. I'm going, hold on, are we? And they this... show actual DC comics in Kandak. Right, and they're, wait, is it, 
are superheroes real here or not? I'm not quite sure. Okay, so we're saying maybe superheroes do exist, but so do comic books. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I was guessing it was like um, Stan Lee used to do this in the Marvel Universe is that the comic books are based on real people. Real because, people. yeah, Superman's in this movie as well as the Justice Society. So this does take place within that universe. And, and I'm not even going to get into that because obviously DC has been treading very uh, dangerous waters for years, whether they're all connected or not connected. It, you know, obviously Warner Brothers and certainly Warner Brothers is in a more precarious position than they've ever been. Uh, they're not skirting bankruptcy, but man, they are canceling everything under the sun. So nothing is, nothing is safe from cancellation at this point. So I can see them wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Of like, let's bring in Henry Cable from Superman, but let's not mention Justice League because people didn't like it. I'm not even put. I'm not even pushing towards that. This is just. This is 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 a universe that like it's trying to have a cake, eat it too, and puke the cake. <laughs> no, but the problem is the cake has already been puked before they've eaten it. So now they're eating the puked cake and then puking it again. Yeah, and then they're telling you the cake is great, and there is no cake. There is no cake. <laughs> That's crappy cake. But yeah, that kid annoyed the fuck out of me. I'm like, yeah. oh. I, I was watching the honest trailers on Black Adam, which honestly was the only reason I finished Black Adam <laughs> because I saw there was an honest trailer. I'm like, oh, well, they'll make really good jokes about the end of this movie, so I'll, I'll finish the movie. Uh, but they mentioned that in a universe that already gave us Freddie Freeman. They gave us a character that's trying to do Edward Furlong in Terminator 2. <laughs> and and I love honest trailers. And it's one of those where I was like, yeah, I really can't argue with that. Yeah. They could, that, like there's... he literally is like, oh, you, you should change your name to something modern. Your name is Adam and we are all black. And then they let it drop to the last moment of the movie. Right. But they he's like, even... I will change my name. And then he looks at the camera and doesn't even raise an eyebrow. If you're going to be the rock. Yes. Be the, be the yes! Rock. <laughs> if you get ring that bell. as yes! <laughs> I kept waiting for that. I kept waiting for an eyebrow raise. It never happened. Damn it. Uh, uh, anyway, this was this movie wasn't even a missed opportunity. In my opinion, this was a movie that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> and, yeah, I, uh, it's, and it's the. Uh, I, isn't this the last of the old regime? Oh no! no I'm sorry, the no, Flash because is the last one. There's Flash. Uh, there's a few. Uh, Blue Beetle was announced, which I think is part of the old regime. Joker Two is coming. Batman Two is being worked on. Uh, Wonder Woman Three was just canceled. Yeah. So that is not happening. But that's and the rumor is that uh, uh, Cavill and Godot's cameos in the Flash have been uh, deleted. Have been um, as as well excised. as. As well as Michael Keaton's um, Michael Keaton's involvement in the Flash, and obviously his involvement in Batgirl was canceled with the rest of the movie. Oh, there goes there goes any reason to see the film now. Yeah, they were they, well. There were plans to do a Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton as old Bruce Wayne, and that's not happening now. Here's the, but like I I really uh, admire James Gunn. I think uh, I think he's very talented. He obviously Suicide Squad and Peacemaker were regime changes. Um, the new season of Doom Patrol is out. Which uh, I watch and I enjoy, but I think it's the problem I've always had with that show is it has one foot in like the edgy peacemaker Sandman world and one foot in CW. So it's got this identity crisis, which I think uh, kills the pace of it. I think it's got great ideas, has a fantastic cast. Brenda Fraser is amazing. 
The actress who plays Rita Farr, I've never seen anything before. And I, and I think she's the best thing about the show. They brought in Michelle Gomez last season, who's a main player, uh, who obviously was a huge part of Doctor Who in the Capaldi run. I think it's a good show, but this season I noticed right off the bat, I'm like, they're really trying to be Peacemaker. They're, they're trying to push it. And it's, it's like a shelter from the storm thing. It's like, Hey, if we make our stuff look like James Gunn, maybe he won't cancel us. So my question to you then Peacemaker season two is coming. If you're James Gunn and you're dealing with this fractured universe or, um, would you, maybe this is two different questions as a fan, what, which would you rather see? But then also if you were James Gunn, what decision would you make? Would you cancel everything, including, including the things that have worked, the things that are outside the universe, uh, and start completely fresh in your image and try to get started on the right foot, which they've never been able to do, uh, including canceling your own shows? Or do you try to bend everything that's happened into your new vision? Like, do you fire Gal Gadot? Do you, do you recast Jason Momoa as Lobo, as was a rumor? Do you fire Henry Cable, or do you just try to, you just try to twist it into something good? I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, here's a, the, the thing, though. I, you could look at it from the quote-unquote artistic point of view. But let's be honest. You also have to look at the commercial aspect mm-hmm. of it. And there's money there. Um, and you have... Well, obviously, obviously, there's money in the DC universe. Yeah. Warner Brothers knows there's Marvel money in the DC universe. Yeah. And, and you can say, oh, no, Marvel's more popular than the DC. But if you look at the publishing history, DC beat Marvel several times over the decades but that's comic books that's not but that's the power of the characters in my the opinion. power of the characters yes but we're already seeing that when they've been elevated to the next level whether they be video games or movies marvel has hit that secret sauce that dc hasn't been able to yet with with comparable with comp well you know what i think I mean, about- yeah the ba- video games yeah the batman arkham games really set the template i i like spider-man more but Spider-Man is built on Batman Arkham. I don't think I don't think you can give Marvel the edge in video games. But how many? I mean, look at all the look at all the games, though. Look at all the stuff that's out there, the content that's out there, and DC's still playing catch up. And all those yeah. Things. Well, well, they they bet everything on Rocksteady, and like they're really hoping that the the Suicide right. Squad game will be their next big hit. But 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 back to your point, I've, uh, and when you look at how Warner Brothers Discovery has no problem just killing entire productions just and erasing them from history yes erasing them okay it also came out that not only is westworld canceled it's not even going to be on hbo max anymore which means it won't exist anywhere because hbo owns it it's not like hulu's gonna run it right well there there i i I think deadline said there's a possibility that it can go out to third parties they might license it out they might but still no but to your point yes they're like, okay, boom, we're going to, you're done. We're not, you know, it, it, we, for us, the artistic merit does not outweigh the commercial merit. So we need, you know, we need to wipe this from our books. We're going to do it. So if they go to James Gunn and say, look, we know a lot of folks like that old, you know, that old stuff that went before, but if you need to just wipe the slate clean and start over again, we don't we're, we we don't mind taking the what the half billion dollar loss which could end up happening because they know 
they can make it back in tax breaks. Well, and that's yeah, that's definitely been uh, since the discovery has been bought out. It's not about creating content at all. It's about saving the most amount of money, which is which means right away tax breaks for canceling things that people want to see and lots of layoffs. And then at, so then if you're James Gunn or if you're me, you're like, okay, given the opportunity of a, of a clean slate, you know, that's artistically an advantage. And, and then your company is saying, Hey, do it. Um, you kind of really have no choice at that point. Yeah. Um, so you, you, I, and I'm thinking that's kind of the way James Gunn is looking at it because he's, he's like, uh, well, you know, I'm going to tell everyone we know that this is going to make people angry. We know that there's stuff out there that we that they like, but this is what we're going to do. And we're that's gonna exactly to... what he said on Twitter this week. Yeah. So and, but uh, straight out saying, look, guys, it just we can start over here and that's we're going to hit the old reset button. And the I think the only safe harbor in this whole thing will is Peacemaker. You know what? You know what's going to happen to Peacemaker? The same thing that happened to Green Lantern. When uh, when the when uh, when everything in the DC universe got rebooted, and Green Lantern and Batman were the only two really successful titles, so none oh, of that. We're talking about the new Fifty Two. You're not talking about the movies. Yes, yes, yes. I, I really comics. thought yeah. you were talking about the Ryan Reynolds movie, and I'm like, how are you going to save this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know when when uh, when uh, in the new Fifty Two, when Jeff Johns was writing Green Lantern, it was a it was a big hit. Big and hit. obviously Batman's always a big hit. So yeah. None of that was affected by New 52. Those continuities, those characters got to stay the same because they were successful. They were doing well. Everything else around them got changed. So I can see, yeah, you know, James Gunn's like, you know, I can I can work with Peacemaker here. I can, you know, I can do yeah. this. You know, I can we can keep him over there. He's a small character here and there. No, not a big deal. Add to that that you're I have a feeling you're gonna see Amanda Waller forever in this fucking universe i cannot stand her character oh i i i liked amanda waller in the john ostrander run of suicide squad in the, the movies i'm talking about yes yeah but um i've always been confused because uh you know we were told that the ryan reynolds green lantern counted and she was angela bassett and now she's viola davis mm -hmm. i liked her in peacemaker i thought um so i mean i'm not she's not likable well, that's the thing. He's a well-written character. I guess. Yeah, I get that. I, you know what? Let me correct myself there, because um, she is a very effective heel in the wrestling terms. As we're talking about mm -hmm. the Rock, if you if you if you can really hate and John them, Cena, <laughs> yes, if you can really hate them, then you know that's a well-done character. Because Amanda Waller's character has absolutely no redemptive quality at all. No, she's I mean, a worse Nick Fury. The worse. But we're talking. She and, and don't get me wrong. Yes, it's the whole. Well, she's got to make hard decisions at the end of the of of the first Suicide Squad when she kills her own staff to save her own skin. At that point, I'm like, no, nope, I'm out. I cannot root for this character. I really want this character to get her comeuppance at some point, which kind of happens in Peacemaker. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see uh, them asking you to root for her at any moment. I think you're supposed to hate her. She's supposed to be the big bad boss. And I'm I'm fine with that. I think that's that's an interesting role that you get a lot of stories. Of. She's Mr. Burns. <laughs> Look, even Mr. Burns has a likable quality. Even, I love Mr. Burns. Although the thing with Mr. Burns, even when he tries to do what do good, he's evil. <laughs> I just like it when he's old timey and out of touch. <laughs> oh man! So anywho, um, when he can't tell the difference between ketchup and catsup. 
but I have a feeling I have a feeling that Amanda Waller is going to keep moving in going through this even under the James Gunn um, regime. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do think we're headed for a soft reboot. And I think uh, a lot of what we're talking about now of like, well, are they going to do this? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do this? I think James Gunn's thinking that. I mean, I don't think these decisions have been made. I think uh, the only thing James Gunn said about Superman is that they're planning on uh, doing somebody younger and going f- and going for a uh, a newer Superman. Like kind of – so I, I'm guessing Superman's going to get rebooted. Um, and I'm sure Green Lantern's going to get rebooted for years. For years, they just stayed away from Green Lantern. The reason Green Lantern's not in the Justice League is they were like, oh, yeah, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern bombed and everybody hated it. But now Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool and everybody loves Ryan Reynolds. So what do we do? And they never made that decision. Yeah, well, they're going to, if they ever do Green Lantern again, he's going to be the John Stewart Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would say maybe Ryan Reynolds gets a cameo, but now that he's making Deadpool movies for marvel although marvel doesn't give a shit marvel's t- marvel marvel use uses marvel characters as marvel characters <laughs> michael b jordan was the human torch and josh brolin was cable yeah Evans was a human torch every human torch can three gas <laughs> and didn't andy warhol say in the future everyone will be the human torch for 15 minutes 15 minutes yes that's how long it takes for you to burn yeah oh, oh. <laughs> they're just gonna set you on fire that went dark Dark. Well, uh, I think we both tell uh, we're both saying stay away from Black Adam. Oh, but you know what I would say you should watch? Uh, the Sounds of 007. Yeah, uh, this could be our greatest thing. You did this on Shaken Not Heard already, so you've done a whole podcast. But I, I stumbled upon it uh, on is it? It's on Hulu, right? Yes. And apparently, Hulu has all the Bond films right now. So it just oh, for, uh, Amazon Prime has. I'm sorry, I take it back. It's on Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime okay. and they have all, they also have all the Bond films. Yes, it popped up on a day where I did not want to watch anything fictional, so I was like, ah, give me give me a documentary about Hollywood. I can uh, usually absorb those. Oh, and by the way, um, my greatest thing in the world this week. Uh, I'll just say it briefly, so we'll get back on target. But um, Elvis Mitchell made a documentary, and he talked about this on Mark Maron called "Is That Black Enough for You." on Netflix and it is about the history of black cinema Ooh, building okay. up to black exploitation and leading out of black exploitation and half of the films I had never heard of. Hmm. Um, and a lot of things I did not know. And it's two and a half hours. And uh, the first thing Mark Maron said on his podcast was why wasn't this a six episode series? This went too fast. Hmm. Uh, so I was kind of in a Hollywood documentary when I went over to sounds of 007. Now you, now you watch the one about the making of all the songs, not the, the concert. The songs, yes. Got it, yeah. Yeah, so um, I had very, very strong opinions of ranking. Because <laughs> I found watching this documentary, uh, I was like, oh, I can name my top three really easily. Because anytime they mentioned something out of that, they tried to like build up every song. Right, right. Every right. song to a level like Lulu showed up, and I was like, "You don't get to say anything." <laughs> <laughs> you sang a song that that rhymed "gun" with "he'll shoot anyone." <laughs> get off of the stage. Huh? So, uh, uh, I definitely recommend the documentary. But I, uh, I want to end this with a shootout. Elliot, your top three Bond songs. Uh, Live and Let Die is number one. Uh, a View to a Kill is number two. 
and um, um, we have all the time in the world is number three. I hate all of those choices. <laughs> I, well, no, I know. And that's the thing about those songs. And, and I will say this, even with um, we have all the time in the world, I uh, that one kind of gets okay. Uh, I did. I've when we did it on um, Shake It Not Heard, when we had the actual discussion on Shake It Not Heard, yeah. Uh, which folks can watch at uh, Facebook.com slash Shake It Not Heard. Um, the, the, just look at that's the video archive to the MCU review. Yes. Well, well, this one is just a video live uh, a video show. There's no yeah. podcast because I've yet to figure out how to take turn it into a podcast like we do with them, like you do with MCU review for us. Yeah. Um, and, but, and then you went and started a third podcast. And th- a third. Well, come on. You know, you know, you want in on that one. Oh, I'm in on all of them. And it will be part of the audio feed of, <laughs> of Caffeinated Caffeinated Comics. Yes. <laughs> yes. To announce it because you've already put the image out. We were, are doing an Indiana Jones podcast in 2023, building up to Dial of Destiny. Yes, it, but this one is going to be different than MCU. Well, similar to Shaken Not Heard and MCU reviews that we're going to go through all the Indiana Jones movies. And unlike Shaken Not Heard, which is like every other week, I'm sorry, uh, MCU review, which is every other week, uh, we'll do uh, we'll do a, a an episode of this particular podcast once a month. So that way we'll have an Indiana Jones movie uh, each month leading up to the release of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny in June. At which point, that's it. That's it. We're stopping. When it's when, just like Indy, when he's gone, it's gone. <laughs> now to get back on target so I can yell at you. Uh, but hey, so I have problems with all three of your songs right away. No, this I podcast understand. is now running long. <laughs> I understand, but I, I, I'm going to admit, if you go back to Shaking That Herd, you'll see my top three was um, now Live and Let Die, no matter what, will always be my number one uh, uh, Bond because that's the first Bond theme I ever heard. Uh, Roger Moore was my first Bond. And that's the first Bond theme I ever heard. And it was actually my introduction to Paul McCartney and Wings. So there's a lot wrapped up in that song. Is it the best Bond theme? No, but it's my favorite Bond theme. And then after that, of course, V to a Kill. And that's because um, there were so many crappy Bond themes leading up to then. The whole story behind that is explained in the documentary. Yes, all time high. Yeah, oh, God. And then... um, uh, all the time in the world, which if I believe was number five in my um, when I talked about these unshaken, not heard, because I want to say put uh, the world is not enough by garbage up there. They get number four. And then I put all the time in the world at number five. Still, after watching the documentary, it gave me more appreciation for again, the Louis Armstrong song, which isn't even the main theme song. They play it at the end during the credits. And it's just such a wonderful medley. But go on, John. All You're right. the musician. You right. tell yeah, me. You tell problem. me why um, I suck. My hot take, <laughs> which I think no one agrees with, but I'm not moving. I'm not moving from the stance. I hate "Live and Let Die." I think it's one of the worst Paul McCartney songs. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was renting the VHS as a bond and getting whatever was it at my local theater. This was around the time of Octopussy, uh, and when I heard it i went what is this i i've always hated it because it it changes too damn much it's like he had five different songs that couldn't decide so he just played each one of them for 45 seconds 
Um, I always hated the break that nah, 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 nah. and then Guns N' Roses did an even worse version of it. <laughs> and then they even say in the documentary, for some reason, it just goes reggae in the center of it. <laughs> I guess because of the black exploitation angle, I've always hated it. I love Paul McCartney. I've seen Paul McCartney when he played it live. I went, ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I have always personally hated Live and Let Die in the way that I have always personally hated Steely Dan. <laughs> I oh, never so want to hear there. a fucking Steely Dan song ever again. Yeah, you've got me there. A View to a Kill is a fun song, but it's horribly dated. It's, oh, yeah. it's the most dated out of all of them. It only exists in the mid-80s. That was a chart topper when I was a kid. That was the first Bond film I saw in the theater. That was the first quasi date I went on, except then I invited all my friends too. Cause I got nervous. <laughs> uh, but uh, when I hear those keyboards, I'm like, Nope, it, it those keyboards were dated in 87. So, uh, and then uh, all the time in the world, I think is a good song. I don't think it's a bond song. I think it's a good song in mm-hmm. a bond movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I feel like a bond, my three and uh, wait, view to a kill. That's what I said about View to Kill. It's dated. Okay. No. Okay. Dances of the Fire. Yeah. Duran yeah, Duran. that's true. No, you're right. Although they have since updated it nice, uh, updated it nicely. Well, when they, they play live? When they play live. And they incorporate a lot more strings like they do with uh, a John Barry style. So That would have helped. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's, but you're fine. Yeah. It's like I saw a Tina Turner concert where she does um, Mad Max. And it's yeah. much better because yeah. it's not... My 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 three. I mean, the first one's obvious is Goldfinger. I feel like every single song has tried to be Goldfinger since that song was written. Um, and Shirley Bassey was eighty years old and and came out on the Oscars and hit that note. Perfectly. Yes, yes. Uh, and Goldfinger, it's sultry, it's sexy, it's bold, it's brassy. And ever since then, I feel like Bond movies are littered with songs that wanted to be Goldfinger so bad from Thunderball to Goldeneye, just, just desperate to be uh desperate, desperate to be Goldfinger. Um, the only thing that comes close is my number two is Skyfall by Adele. Skyfall yes, makes me one. cry. It makes all the hairs on my arms stand up. It's It's got the same tone as Goldfinger. It's got the same passion as Goldfinger, but it's not trying to ape it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, both of those use the bomb, sprinkle the bomb theme inside, mm-hmm. which I think is an important thing. And then my third one is kind of the outlier. Um, I just like it is, you know, my name by Chris Cornell. No, think, that's a good one. Yeah, that I think it, one. it swings yeah. in the opposite direction. It's just trying to be a badass rock song in a way that Jack White missed for uh, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, um, Another which, Way to Die, yeah. Which was a rush job after the Radiohead one fell yeah. through for rights. The, ra- the Radiohead one was way better, if you ask me, but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do not like the Jack White one. Um, now, so those are my reasons. The, those are mine. You can assail any one of them, but they're good I'll, songs. No, those are good. There are those are all good songs. Although my my only issue with uh, Goldfinger is I hate to say it, but uh, Mike Myers has ruined it for me with Goldmember. Every time I hear Goldfinger, I think Goldmember and all the jabs at it in that movie. I'm like, oh, see, but Goldmember uh, is the most forgettable Austin Powers movie. So it doesn't pop up in my memory. If I think about Austin Powers, I think the first one was great. The second one was not so good. And then I've I've basically forgotten the third one. That's why there has been no fourth. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. no. Then he made the love guru. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, I found I heard a very interesting thing on uh, I mentioned it on this podcast before, but Fly on the Wall is uh, yes, podcast that Dana Carvey and David Spade do, and they only interview people uh, about Saturday Night Live. So cast members, obviously, but they'll talk to hosts, mm-hmm. they'll talk to musical guests, they'll talk to writers, they'll talk to uh, they had Nick Kroll who who didn't pass his audition. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a great look inside SNL, but. I found out the reason that Dana Carvey and Mike Myers had such a falling out after Wayne's World. Ooh, what was that? He, uh, he mentioned he mentions it that um, I always thought it was the fact that he was he was the big hit on SNL when Mike Myers came on, and then uh, it was Lauren Michaels' idea to put him in Wayne's World to have like a sidekick to bounce off of. Mike Myers wanted to do it solo, kind of mm-hmm. like coffee talk. Mm-hmm. And I always thought like Dana Carvey resented that because he's like, look, I'm the church lady. I was the biggest thing here before you got here. Like, I don't want to be your sidekick. I think there was some of that. But he said the real reason was that Mike Myers, uh, Dr. Evil character, which was a, an impression of Lorne Michaels, as everyone knows, mm-hmm. it was Dana Carvey's impression of Lorne Michaels. Mm. It was the voice that Dana Carvey would do in the offices. Mm. When they, when people would talk about Lauren Michaels, he was the one to go. You do McCartney is Mozart, <laughs> and um, you can say yeah, it's an, an impression of Lauren Michaels. But if you watch a movie that no one has seen, uh, the Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, <laughs> which I will defend, um, Mark McKinney is doing a Lauren Michaels, and he does it actually in the new season, the Amazon yes. Prime season. Yes, it's not Doctor Evil. Yeah. So Dana Carvey was like, you're clearly doing my impression and you didn't even hire me. Mm. Hmm. So uh, that's why they had a falling out of which they've, they've made up for afterwards. But yeah, Austin Powers to me is a great movie that even Mike Myers said is really making more fun of things like in like Flint and all of the things that were parroting bond at the time than bond. So that doesn't hurt Goldfinger for me at all. Well, it ruined Dr. No for me. I'll say at least that. <laughs> See, I, I, yeah, I mean, we can keep going on about this. There's a lot of Dr. No in Austin Powers, but it makes me like Dr. More, Dr. No more the way young Frankenstein likes me, makes me like Frankenstein more. There you go. I'm like, oh, I see that moment. Yeah, that is an iconic moment. That's why you would riff on that moment. Yeah, I get it. Well, anyway. Okay, I want to close this now with uh, yes. th- the three worst Bond songs. <laughs> all time high is an all time low. Yeah. Uh, 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 die another day. Oh god, yeah, that's on my list. Uh, die another it, day. Uh, because I'm not, not, I'm not even gonna name it, not to jump in. But die another day is so bad that in the theater, my ex wife said out loud, "Is there something wrong with the speakers?" <laughs> Because that weird clipping, yep, yep, that, yep that Madonna yep. does in that, yeah, yep. it, that that song ruins the opening credit sequence of the film. It adds absolutely nothing. Like, like I, I can say, all time high adds absolutely nothing, but it's not like it ruins the sequence. Yes, die another day ruins what is supposed to be a storytelling device during the opening credits, where we see what James Bond is doing while he's being. Um, uh, uh, cap, well, he's a, a prisoner of the North Koreans for what two, three years, whatever yeah. that is. Uh, but it, yeah, that movie it, starts strong. Yeah, 
man, that movie just it just ruins that. It looks so loose. So those are the two, and you know what? There is no other film that is so bad that I can remember uh, no song that is so bad that I want I would be willing to stick it on the bottom there. But it's like all time high. I has a distinction of when I asked Alexa to play a James Bond playlist for me, when all time high comes on, I'm going, Alexa had an aneurysm and started playing smooth jazz or something. I thought you were going to say smooth operator by <laughs> Sade. <laughs> now, Sade would have done a great, could have been a great James I'm sure Bond. she pitched one. I didn't learn till she could not heard how many unused Bond songs are out there. So many. There are so many. And uh, that's why I, uh, uh, props to my buddy Dave for uh, for educating me on this. So this is where I really got my appreciation of appreciation of Bond, my appreciation of how he's uh, uh, influenced Indiana Jones, which we will talk about mm-hmm. on the podcast in 2023, and of course my appreciation, even a greater appreciation of Pierce Brosnan, who um, was needlessly killed in Pierce? that Black yeah. Adam. Chris Brosnan is the Andrew Garfield of Bonds. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, my my top three, I'm not going to say Live and Let Die because I, I hate it personally, but I'm not going to call it a bad song. More people like it. Um, I, I I would agree with Die Another Day, so I'm trying to think if I need to say something else. I really don't like that Jack White song. Um, I really hate Moonraker. Moonraker is just so soft. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I like it, but when Shirley, when Shirley Bassey, who sang it herself, says she didn't like the song, I guess you know, like that's too bad because that, if if anything, in that film, when I watched Moonraker, I remember going, "Man, this movie is this movie's actually better than I remember it," which I know is going to infuriate a lot of Bond purists, a lot of Bond fans, but. I remember going, man. It has it's got Richard Keel again. Yeah, it's it's like wow, and the score is really good, and and everything, and and but yet, and then yeah, the song is not great. I will admit, and no, and I, they, they, but when Shirley Bassey says of all the Bond themes, that's the one she doesn't like. I don't know. Uh, I hate a writing on the wall. I do. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It's so wimpy. That's the yeah. one Radiohead. They they wrote Spectre. Yeah, which was uh, not yes. Quantum of Solace. Um, but my all-time worst Bond song is The Man with the Golden Gun because (laughs) it wants to be Goldfinger in the dumbest way. It's like Beavis and Butthead wrote Goldfinger. Yeah. It's so stupid. And Lulu doesn't help raise the intelligence quotient. I mean, Man with the Golden Gun looks like an ABC TV movie to begin with. Yes, it does. But you at least have Christopher Lee in it. I kept thinking, why is tattoo on here? It's like, are they going to Fantasy Island? <laughs> I think this was before Fantasy Island. It was before. He got the gig because of this. He did, but I didn't see it until. I mean, I saw a lot of the Bond movies. I saw on television. You know, yeah. ABC showed the Bond film, so they would. If I saw it years later, so I was like, "Oh, look, it's tattoo." So, all right. Yeah, like um, I said, I, I got when I was old enough to get into Bond. It was like towards the end of more it was like a spy who loved me moonraker so i went back and rented all of those yeah. um you know what uh, uh but an underrated song is um well nobody does it better i think is one of the greatest ones that would be in my top five marvin yes. hamlish and carly simon and uh when you were saying uh after live and let die they were like oh there was a string of bad bond songs for your eyes only i think is great 
with Sheena Easton. That's the one that Dave and that's and only I, two yeah, yeah, Dave and I were were we we deb- debate that one a bit, and it's like he goes, I don't get how that's a Bond song, you know. That has a, I don't even get how it's a song about spies unless you have the whole thing that one line goes for your eyes or whatever, and there's that that um. I always thought it was like sung from the perspective of a Bond girl. Yes, exactly. Which is a big part of, it's a big part of the franchise. But it needs, uh, between that and Carly Simon's, um, you know, nobody does it better. Where again, unless you drop in that line, the spy who loves me, just change it to the guy who loved me. And then it's, it, you can call it anything else. Um, But uh, yeah, you're right. Those are the ones that are debatable but are actually not only good Bond songs, but also good pop songs. I would say if your eyes only, all it really needed was brass because Sheena Easton's belting it out at a Shirley Bassey level, but it's like, it's very soft synthesizers. Like, yeah. like, like, like dun, dun, in the verse yes. yeah. that if that was a full John Barry horn section, that would have been, yeah. And then, and then it all swells into a big crescendo that would have been up, up there. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to throw in my two cents about it because I was I because because I spent so much of that documentary going no, <laughs> <laughs> like they spent so much time with Billie Eilish. I'm like, nah. I was celebrating sixty, and she had the song, and she had the new one. It was it, like, yeah, yeah, but it's it's not it's not a great one. They always do it for the new one. I mean, it's not great, but it's also not terrible. No, which why yeah. I haven't mentioned it before now. Yeah, but uh, Elliot, we mentioned a lot of podcasts that you are involved in. How do people follow you online? You can also follow me on all social media outlets at Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's, two R's. So that's, you'll find me there on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Yes, I have a Hive account uh, because I'm, my Twitter account is just moments away from just being all and out deleted, or I'm just going to let it be a ghost, a ghost account out there. Um, I'm not I'm not reporting Elon Musk's current whereabouts, so I haven't gotten banned or anything. Uh, but yes, uh, the the MCU review, which is a part of this, uh, the Caffeinated Comics uh, series, and starting next year. What should I say? What the name of the the podcast should? Yeah, I think you, you've already put out the logo. I think you can. No, it's going to be called Top Men. An Indiana Jones podcast. Uh, Slightly disappointed because my pitch was Indiana Jones and the Podcast Crusade. Which uh, I wanted to, but there's already another podcast out there that calls themselves Indiana Jones uh, Crusade Minute. No, that's not even good. Yeah, so something like that. So I was like, uh, a lot of great suggestions were put out there. Some that I almost went with, but I thought I'm going to go with the, the quick one. The one that was also easy enough to get the custom URLs for. Yeah. The only the only drawback is if you do, <laughs> if you do a search if you for Google top men. Top men. <laughs> oh dear lord. Does Google uh, immediately say, did you mean bottom men? <laughs> well, you're gonna get that too. <laughs> but it's it's fun. I like it. It's I think it works and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And uh it won't be just men. We're gonna see if we can get some female voices on the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you're not already subscribed to the show, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Also, the MCU Review is a video feed, which, as Elliot said, uh, comes out every other week discussing the MCU, which comes out as a video and then an audio. I am at Not In My Book. Um, 
on Instagram where I mostly take pictures of toys and I'm not incredibly active on it because I'm a writer, not a visual artist, uh, which is why one of the things I liked about Twitter, but uh, yeah, it's Twitter. It's uh, uh, honestly, I have just as many followers on Instagram as Twitter <laughs> that I put way less effort into it over the years. Uh, but of course, Facebook is probably our most active. Uh, if you go to facebook.com slash caffeinated comics, uh, they changed the algorithm where now anytime you post on the page, you have to sign out of your own account and sign back in. So it's not quite as active as it used to be when I could just forward stuff, but it is still pretty active. That's where you'll see uh, m- most of the news and trailers. Uh, certainly the news about Henry Cable was up this week. So, um, but it, no matter what you can do uh, for Elliot and for myself, we will talk to you next week.